Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Situation saying everything that was declared in the verses and chapters, so be it, is what the word amen. But the book of Acts, there's no amen. Amen. The, the last chapter of the book of Acts, there's no amen. Why is that? Because it never ended. Amen. The book of Acts didn't end with the last chapter. The book of Acts is being written today. Amen. How many of you want to be a part of the miracles? You want to see God do miracles, signs, and wonders? Amen. 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 We're going to get into the, the uh, all of everything we do in church is important, but the preaching of the word. Before we have Pastor Grizzle come, I want to say we're glad to have uh, Blake and Jenna McLaughlin with us. Their dad's going to be preaching on Wednesday night. But Brother Blake just loves me so much. He came out a few days early just to see me. And maybe Claire, too. I don't know. She might have had something to do with it. Amen. But we want Blake and Jenna. We hope they've been made to feel welcome today. And certainly we appreciate you all joining right in with your worship. Amen. I'm glad to have Riley home for the weekend. Riley came in for the weekend because she loves me and wanted to be a part of our fall festival. Shaq, she came for me. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and smile. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. You get stronger. Some of you try so hard not to show joy, and it's to your own detriment. The joy of the Lord, with joy shall you draw waters from the wells of salvation. Have you want to leave out of here more saved than when you came? With joy. Amen. All of our guests that are here today, Living Hope, can we make some noise for our guests that are here today? Thank you all for being with us. We honor you. We love you. Amen. Amen. We're so honored today to have Pastor Evan and Sister Ashley Grizzle with us from Apostolic Tabernacle in Wilmington, North Carolina. Brother Grizzle and I have become, we really didn't even know each other until about a year and a half ago. And then we started communicating. We have uh, now are a part of a leadership team. We create leadership resources and many other things that have kind of spiraled out of that. But above all else, I'm thankful because Pastor and Sister Grizzle are Christians they love Jesus Christ. They're leading a phenomenal church in Wilmington, North Carolina. Amen. God is doing great things through their ministry. And here's what I know. I know God came, he gave him a word today to speak to as many as will receive it. As many as will receive it today, God's got a word for you. So here's what I want us to do. I want you to say before the word, before he even tells you what the title is going to be, I want you to make up your mind, I receive it. All right, I'm not a picky eater. I'm not going to wait to see what put, what's on the table before I decide if I want it or not. Right now, God, I receive it. We need to dismiss our children. Thank you, Khadijah. Our children right now that are a part of our This Is Home class, I think this is their last week, and they're going to be graduating from our This Is Home class. And I want to thank Brother and Sister Sylvia and their team for uh, investing in our children in such an incredible way. Amen. Without any further delay, would you help me right now as we honor and welcome Brother Grizzle to come and minister to us? Love you, buddy. I think there's water right there. Thank you, 
Come on, why don't we clap our hands to the Lord together? Aren't you thankful for the presence of God today? Come on, why don't we lift him up right now? We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. What an honor and a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm thankful to be amongst God's people. Amen. Uh, I, I, I was really hoping that God was just going to move and I wasn't going to have to preach. But God's got other things in mind. Because sometimes when the Lord moves, it's hard to get up after that. But I feel an ease in the spirit this morning. And I believe God wants to touch somebody. Amen. I do give honor to your pastor and his family. It's the last day of Pastor's Appreciation Month. How many appreciate your pastor? When you go to preach places, you have to, you want to say something nice about the pastor and his family. And sometimes you have to really think about it. Well, when you come here, you don't have to think about it. It's really easy to find great things about this family. World-class ministries, world-class leaders. And um, we toss around a term in the apostolic church, the voice of a generation. Um, And we do it a little too loosely. But you are blessed to have one of the greatest voices of my generation as your pastor. And you ought to be thankful for that. I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful for this amazing church family. Thank you all for making us feel loved last night. I just felt so at home, and I got to be a part of that chili tasting. So um, whoever won, I'll take half of what you won right after service. You can meet me out back. Praise God. And the gift basket was amazing, and, and um, I better not say anything. Can I I talk about the book? Yeah, I've been trying to lose weight, and um, I walk in, and I, you know, you see a gift basket. I love gifts, so when y'all did your opening prayer, and you got to gifts in that thing, I almost started speaking in tongues. I was like, I receive it, (laughs) you know, and I walk in yesterday. Well, the first thing I do, I put the baby down, and I get in the gift basket. Well, God just confirms his word. And somebody, whoever did it, was walking in the Holy Ghost, whoever made that basket, and gave us a book that was titled, Walking to Lose Weight. (laughs) And I walked, I looked at, there was another title, a subheading that I can't say from the pulpit, um, but I'm going to tell you, they were walking in the Spirit, and I'm thankful for whoever did did that, because I receive it in Jesus' name. I'm going to lose weight. Praise God. That's right, bro. Get down on the keys. Well, 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 well. Thankful for my wife. She's beautiful. She's the better part of me. Thankful my son is with me. Amen. All right, without further ado, let's go to the word of the Lord, 2 Samuel chapter 6. I don't know who's running sound, but you got the second hardest job in the church, um, right behind pastoring. But if I could get just a little bit more monitor, I'd really appreciate it. ¿Dónde está mi familia española esta mañana? Amén. 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 Dios te bendiga. Amén. Dios es bueno todo el tiempo. Amén. Y todo el tiempo Dios es bueno. Amén. En el mundo hay muerte. 
Hay adiciones en la iglesia. Hay libertad. Hay paz. Todo lo que necesitamos se encuentra en Jesús. Todo lo que necesitamos se encuentra en la iglesia. Amén. God's doing a great thing in your Spanish community too. I'm still learning. So if I mess that up, brother, fix it for me. Thank you. 2 Samuel 6, beginning at verse number 12. Those monitors are great. Thank you to whoever did it. And I, it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. David was girded with a linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And most preachers would stop right there on a Sunday morning because they want to preach you happy. But I'm going to go on to verse 16 because I feel like God's got something deep for us today. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. <clears throat> and notice what, she, what it says about her. And she despised him in her heart. She despised him in her heart. Now listen, I'm going to go ahead and give you a disclaimer. I'm not the best preacher in the room. He's sitting right there. And he preaches every time he's in town on a Sunday. Okay, but I do believe that God wants to touch us today. And I want to preach to you with the help of the Holy Ghost. And if you'll help me on the topic, the shattered window of a wounded soul. From the shattered window of a wounded soul. Let's put our Bibles to our side. This is an apostolic church that believes in the power of prayer. Don't we believe in the power of prayer? So I want us to lift our hands and lift our voices and pray together. Lord, we do thank you for your wonderful blessings. We thank you for allowing us to come together in your house today for this wonderful worship that was done with such excellence, God, that led us into your presence. We just thank you for it. God, we thank you for the lives that have been touched so far, but we believe you're not finished yet as they sang today. God, we pray that you'll allow us to open our hearts to receive from this word. God, anoint my lips as I bring it as you would have it seen and fit, God. And we'll be careful to give you praise and glory for it all. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, give somebody a high five and tell them you're happy to see them before you're seated. Amen. <clears throat> there was a little girl whose skin was unhealthily pale. With dark eyes, she lifted a dirty blanket above the broken glass of her window and peered out. Everyone knew that a woman had lived in the house with her boyfriend and two adult sons, and they had never seen a child there, though. They had never noticed anyone playing in the overgrown yard. The person that saw this young girl noted that she looked five or six years old, but that she was far too thin, and her cheeks, or her cheeks had sunken in, and her eyes seemed lost. 
The child stared into the square window and that broken glass into the sunlight. Months went by. Her face never reappeared. But just before noon on July 13th in 2005, a police car pulled up outside of that shattered window. Two officers went into the house and one stumbled back out clenching his stomach. One detective who had been on the force for 18 years, when he saw his, him and his young partner went into the house, they were called to look into a child abuse investigation because someone had finally called the police. They pulled up to the property, and as they did, they found a car parked outside, and the driver's door was open, and a woman was stooped over in her seat sobbing. She was the investigator for the Florida Department of Children and Families. As the men walked up, she looked up and simply said, unbelievable. She said, it's the worst I've ever seen. As the police officers walked through the front door and into the cramped living room, the man said, I've been in many, any, many rooms with bodies rotting for over a week and it never smelled that bad. He said, there's just no way to describe what we've seen. Everything was rotting and dank. Tattered curtains, yellow with cigarette smoke. They were dangling from bent metal rods, cardboard and old comforters. They stuffed, they were stuffed into broken, grimy windows. Trash blanketed the stained couch and the sticky counters, the floors, the walls. Even the ceiling seemed to be swaying beneath legions of scuttling cockroaches. While the detective looked around, the woman or the mother sat in a faded house coat and demanded to know what was going on and she did live there, and those were her two sons, adult sons, sitting on the couch. But what of her daughter? They asked. She said, yes, I do have a daughter. The detective strolled past this woman and walked down a narrow hall. He turned the door handle, and he opened into a space that was the size of a walk-in closet, and he squinted into the dark, and at his feet, something stirred. The first thing he saw were the girl's eyes. Dark and wide, unfocused, not blinking. She wasn't looking at him as much as she was looking through him. She was laying on torn in a moldy mattress in the floor. She was curled up on her side in a fetal position with long legs tucked into her emaciated chest. Her ribs jutted out. Her collarbone jutted out. One skinny arm slung over her face. Her hair was matted. Crawling with lice, insects, bites, and rashes and sores all over her skin. Though she looked old enough to be in school, she was naked except for a swollen diaper. A pile of diapers across the room set at least four feet high, the doctor said, or the detective said. The glass in the window had been broken, and the child was lying there surrounded by bugs and her own filth. When he bent down to pick her up, the detective noted that she yelped like a small lamb, and he said, I, was, I felt like I was picking up a baby. I put her over my shoulder, and the swollen diaper began to drip down my leg, but she didn't struggle. He asked her name, but she didn't answer. He searched for clothes to dress her, but couldn't find any, so finally he took off his coat and wrapped her in it. Choking back rage, he walked up to the mother and he asked, how could you let this happen? And the mother's statement was simply, I'm doing the best I can. The detective looked back with a stern face, carrying the girl out of the house, saying, the best you can just isn't good enough. 
He radioed ahead to Tampa General Hospital, letting them know that if they didn't get her help soon, she would pass away. Because of her severe neglect and her severe abuse, she could not speak. She could not make eye contact. Her developmental age was that of a, of a one-and-a-half to two-year-old, and she was already six years of age. Her name was Danny, and Danny saw the world differently than others her age because of her mental and emotional wounds that she had suffered. But she peered through broken glass and wounds to make sense of a life that was riddled with problems. As you sit here this morning and you hear that story, we think, how could such evil atrocities take place? Some would say that hearing such details would be hard to stomach. But I can tell you with great confidence that there are people under the sound of my voice that have experienced pain at the hands of another individual that has led to wounds that they carry. We will say that it wasn't as bad as this poor girl named Danny, but I will tell you today as a pastor and as the husband of a licensed counselor that you cannot underestimate the wounds that you carry due to past hurts. I know that all wounds will vary in severity, but they're still there. I know that they'll vary in detail from person to person, but I know they're still present because all of us carry wounds of some sort. You ask, how do I know this? Well, because it's statistically true that one in five young ladies and one in, uh, one in four young ladies and one in five young men will experience sexual abuse. One in three men or one in three women and one in four men will experience domestic violence. 25% of marriages today will experience extramarital affairs. And that does not include the impact of emotional affairs or the use of pornography. But I tell you, as we peer out through the shattered glass of a wounded heart, our view can become obstructed by issues we've endured and past scars from past defeats. I know it's heavy, but I promise I'm going somewhere. Hurts can cause you to live a life of dysfunction and it becomes your function. Issues that have led from one bad relationship to another. Problems that have caused you to seek refuge at the bottom of an amber-colored bottle. Family issues that have led you to distrust and jaded and a jaded view of people and leaders in your life. We have all experienced hurt. And for many, it changes our perspective on life, on love, on relationships, both with the divine and with the earthly. We are not the last that will experience hurt. But we weren't the first either. The portion of Scripture that I read to you today that started out by telling us about Michael, how she peered through the window watching David. If we did not understand her past, we would not understand that she was doing it from a wounded heart. If you were to miss the beginning of her story, you would not understand that her point of view as she peered out that small window and viewed her kingdom, her kingly husband dancing in the presence of God, you would not understand why she despised him in her heart. It would make no sense for someone to become so upset that the Bible records that she was despising him within her very being. It wasn't the view through the window that caused such disdain to be there. It was what she saw from the shattered window of her wounded soul. 
It was the prophet Jeremiah that lamented the destruction of Jerusalem when he wrote in Lamentations 3 and 51, Mine eye affecteth my heart because of all the daughters of my city. You see, what the weeping prophet saw affected his feelings. But Michael's problem was different. In her situation, what she felt in her heart affected what she saw with her eyes. She had been hurt because she had known the luxury of her father's palaces. But she had been wounded by loved ones and lovers. Saw her father had promised to love her and promised to give her to David for the price of the lives of a hundred Philistines. David goes, the story says, and proves his ability and his loyalty, and he brings back proof that he had killed 200. In doing so, he wins her hand in marriage, but she would have to sit back in dismay and watch as her father, whom she loved, would set out to murder her husband, whom she also loved. The Bible records that her love for David was so great that as the guards were standing at the door. The guards of King Saul were standing at the door waiting to come in and kill him. She acted as if David was sick and put him out through a window and put a small statue in his place so they wouldn't catch him. As he escaped through their window into the darkness of night, he went on his journey. But his wife had to wonder what happened because he never sent for her. He never wrote to her. He never asked for her. She would wonder as she woke up that day if today would be the day that she would see her husband's head hanging in the city square as her father triumphed. She wondered if tomorrow would be the day that she would see her husband led through the city streets in chains and in fetters as her husband or as her king and her father would take him prisoner. Every day would carry new challenges as she tried to cope with the new reality of her dysfunctional life and relationship. She would process through this hurt, but as she did, another hurt would come. Her father would promise her to another man, a king named Paltiel, and in hopes of creating alliance with another kingdom. We know very little about this marriage, but what we do know is what takes place next. What the Bible does tell us is that soon after this, Paul would reap his reward, and so would his sons. David, her love, would finally come back for his wife and bring, him back, bring her back into his arms, but the damage had already been done. Her dad had tried to kill her husband. Her husband leaves her. Her dad carries out a pursuit to kill him. She's given in marriage to another man, not the one she loved. Her father and her brothers are killed. Her husband finally returns, uprooting her life once again. To say that she experienced hurt would be in a severe underestimation. She experienced some of the worst things life had to offer. Her, her wounds would lead her to peering out a small window and viewing everything through the lens of pain and hurt. Her hurt would change her perspective of what she saw. And as she looked out at what should have been a joyous moment when the presence of God was being ushered back in to the city of David, the Bible says she sat back in judgment. The wounds that caused her change in perspective were the chains that kept her from experiencing the power and the presence of God. 
You hear this preacher from Wilmington today. If you're not careful, what you feel in your heart will keep you from getting what you need in your spirit. Because as others danced and sang, she sat back in judgment. While others worshiped, she sat back in the spiritual equivalent of folded arms and said, I won't take part. Let me tell you something this morning. There's some beautiful things that comes from worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Bible says he'll inhabit the praises of his people. And not just that, it says, open ye gates, O Jerusalem, and the King of glory will enter in. You want want to know why people were praising and worshiping because they felt the presence of the almighty God hurt will kill you I want to remind you hurt is an unforgiving monster and it wants to keep you from the one thing that can help you it wants to keep you from the very thing that can deliver you Hurt is the devil's favorite weapon because it'll lead to something that will most definitely take you out, which is bitterness. Her hurt led to her bitterness. The Bible goes on to say that due to her bitterness that David would return to bless his household and Michael, his wife, the daughter. It didn't even call her his wife at that point. He said the daughter of Saul. There was something in her now that wasn't like that was what was in her before. It wasn't Michael, David's wife. It was Michael, the daughter of the thing that sought to kill him. And as she stood there mocking him and talking unbecoming to him, the Bible says that David presents to her a curse. And at verse 23, you'll find that for Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no more children until the day of her death. If we're not careful, we'll let bitterness take root in our heart. And your bitterness will lead to your barrenness. Because we'll preach on the promises of God. And your man of God and your woman of God and the ministers of this household will come up and preach of all the good things that God has for you. But I will tell you that what they're preaching cannot overcome what you feel in your heart. Only the Spirit of God can do that. And if we're not careful, we're going to let bitterness keep us from better things. We're going to let bitterness of past hurts uh, keep us from the promises of tomorrow. We've got to be people that understand that hurts aren't worth hanging on to. It's not worth going to hell over. It's not worth not becoming what God has for me to become. It's not worth... I know you feel right sometimes, but being right isn't always righteous. I know you feel justified as you sit back and you listen to me preach and you say, well, he doesn't understand what happened to me. I'll tell you my story in a minute, but I'll tell you this. It doesn't matter what happened to you because I know the one who can fix it, and his name is Jesus don't you put a stigma on God that he can't make a difference in your life. Don't you limit the, 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 the unmatchless name of Jesus Christ. Don't you limit his ability. The Bible says that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. 
You'll never see your future that God has for you if you don't allow him to heal the hurts of the past. It'll keep you from becoming. It'll keep you from going. It'll keep you from doing. It'll keep you from deliverance. I thought about this woman. And I thought about she did not have one thing that we have today. It's so serendipitous that the name of your church is Living Hope. Because we do have a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not a dried up hope. It's not a, 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 a past hope. You see, some churches get caught up in, in yesterday to the point that we forget about tomorrow. Let me tell you the hope that you have. It's not found in the government. It's not found in your job. It's not found in your pocketbook. It's not found in your psychiatrist or your counselor. And I believe in those things, but let me tell you what it's found in. It's found in Jesus Christ. As your pastor said today, give him the pen. Let him be the author and the finisher. Let him begin a new story in your life today. That begins with the removal of bitterness. He said in his word, I'm, I'm quickly coming to a close. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He begins to repeat the prophet Isaiah as he stands in the synagogue. Did you know that it wasn't customary to stand in the synagogue? It's customary to sit down. When he stood up, he was asserting his preeminence. He was not just verbally saying, I'm the one that the prophet spoke of. He said, watch me. Look on me. The same way they looked on the serpent in Numbers. The same way he was lifted up at Calvary. He said, look unto me. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And listen, he has sent me to heal the broken hearted. There's only one thing that can heal a broken heart. Medication will numb it. Oh, but the healing power of God. Listen, now listen. I'll run with some guys. I'll just be straight up with you. I like to have fun and cut up and have a good time. So if I make you laugh, it's God's fault. He made me this way. You could be seated. I run with some guys. They'll preach on medication till the day I'm, I'm talking. I'm not one of those dudes. If you need it, take it. Uh, if you need blood pressure medication, take it. If God hasn't healed you yet, take it. It's dumb not to take it. I'm sorry. That's, just, that's Wilmington coming out in me. Okay? I know your faith, but God didn't give you so much faith that you become stupid. All right? That's just how it is. But I'm going to tell you, medication will be a Band-Aid on a wound that God wants to heal. Manication will come in and numb you to the things that's going on in your life when God wants to come in and heal you of the things that are going on in your life. I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm a believer in all of those things, but if I neglect the power of the gospel and the power of Jesus Christ, I'm nothing. Let me tell you this morning, I'm nothing anyway, but the one who is can take care of everything. You have to give God the bitterness. You have to let God take control. For the longest time, for the longest time, Pastor Jason, I, I thought that it said to pluck up bitterness at the root. It don't say that. I couldn't find it. I thought it did. To all you Bible scholars out there, I Googled it. 439 billion researches later, I couldn't find it. But what it did say, if I can find it in my notes, it's somewhere. 
No, it's not there. Oh boy, there it is. Hebrews 12 and 15. It says the root of bitterness that causes many to be defiled. You see, your bitterness doesn't just affect you. When it takes root, I don't know if y'all know what roots do, but they spread out. You wonder why your family's so messed up? Did mama take time to get healed? You wonder why your, your children are wavering and wandering? Did dad ever take time to get whole? I'm not trying to, to put an indictment on you, but I'm trying to help you this morning. That the things that we face, if we're not careful, that rooted bitterness will, will, will set up in our heart and it'll snake its way into every part of our life. I've dealt with it. There's family members that have done me wrong. And I've had to watch as God will use them in ministry. And you better believe that I was like Michael as I sat on the front row, amening them with my voice, but in my heart I was despising every minute of it. But then God had to come. I can't take care of bitterness by myself. It had to be God. It had to be a divine moment in an altar where I lifted up my hands and I gave him every part of my being. You see, when we come to God, sometimes we want to pick and choose what we'll give him. God, I'll give you this and I'll, I'll give you that. But I'll tell you what, I'm just going to hold on to this one for a little while. When you come to God, if you will give him every part of your being, you will find that he is the healer, that he is the way maker, that he is the deliverer. And you have to let God take care of the bitterness yeah. rabbinic tradition states that the meaning of verse 23 when it said she bare no children until she died it says that rabbinic tradition tells the reader that on the day of her death she bared a child I don't know if it's true but I'll preach it because the day you let bitterness die is the day God will birth a promise in your life. Because when bitterness dies, promises are born. When hurt is taken from the heart, promises come to fruition. When I lay my burden down at the feet of Jesus, I can finally touch and grasp and realize what he's promised for my life. Just like Danny. Danny now is adopted. She's now talking. She's now walking. And I wish I would have given you the picture. Because it was so beautiful how that she would stare through a broken window. But at the end, she was held by her father. Her adopted father as she peered through a beautiful, pristine window into the sun. You see, as the musicians come, Colossians 2 and 10 tells us she are complete in him. I don't know if you know what complete means, but it doesn't mean perfect. Complete doesn't mean the residual side effects will go away. Complete just means that I'm everything God has for me. You may think that your wounds, 
That's your problems. They disqualify you. But your imperfection just validates his perfection. Why? Jesus comes up out of the grave. He walks among the people. When he does, if he had power to get up out of a grave, surely he had power to heal his own wounds. But he didn't. He walked around with nail-scarred hands. Because he knew there would be a man named Thomas that said, except I put my hand, I won't believe. Your wounds don't discredit you. They show the power of God in your life. As we stand to our feet. There's a story that I heard a long time ago. And it may have been preached here, I don't know. There was a Japanese shogun or an emperor that had his favorite teapots and teacups. He loved them so much that when he traveled, he would take them with him. Well, in transit, one of the cups became broken and shattered. Well, to us, we discard broken things. If I drop a plate, I'll sweep it up and I'll put it in the trash. Well, to this shogun, that was so important to him that he heard of some artists in China that could put broken things back together. So he sent the cup off to these craftsmen and he waited for a long time. He didn't know how long it would take. And then finally, the cup came back. What he was expecting was it to never look like it was broken. But when he unwrapped the cloth that covered it, Every piece was in its place. But there was this golden lacquer that was used to put it back together. So in every crack, in every crevice, in every wound, this beautiful gold color shined through. People today will literally make pots and break them so they can put them back together with that type of art because it's more valuable after it's broken than before. Do we just do altar here? Sweet. I don't often share my story because people get uncomfortable with it. I went to a church up north and I started to share it the pastor started getting squirrely. So I just start, I just went deeper, man. That's how I am. All right, we're just going to make everybody uncomfortable. So if you see your pastor getting squirrely, I'm sorry. So I said at the beginning of my sermon, one in four young women experienced sexual trauma, and one in five. Well, I'm in the 20%. I grew up on a pew. Shouldn't have happened to me, bro. I was supposed to be fine. Mom and dad drug me to church every Sunday. My uncle was the pastor. Everything's supposed to be good in my life. 
People say I'm one of the happiest guys they've ever met. Probably true. I'm genuinely happy. But it's not because of what happened to me when I was about seven years old. You see, I forgot about it. I, I had, my mind went into what they call, it's like a protective measure, and it's called, um, oh my goodness, it's not blissful ignorance. What's it called? Repression. Sounds like depression, repression. It repressed memories of things that happened to me when I was a kid. The problem with repression is there'll be like a trigger that'll flip a light switch and you'll remember everything. Well, about five years ago, it will be five in November. A couple days next week. We got pregnant with our first kid and everything came back. I remember driving down College Road on the way back to our house, and I was talking to my wife who was training to be a counselor. And she's like, I don't think those are dreams, honey. I think those are memories. Nah, not me. I'm fixing to be a pastor of a church. I'm just stepping into the best part of my ministry. There's no way that happened to me. So I went to work, and where I worked at the time, there was a, a social worker who was a counselor. And you know, guys, guys, we don't like to talk about our feelings. I'm really good at it now because I'm married to somebody that does it for a living. She makes me talk about my feelings all the time. <laughs> and uh, I walked up to her, and you know how guys are. We're like, I'm like, hey, I got a friend. Let me tell you what happened to my friend. I start going through everything, and I think I gave too many details. And she's like, aren't you guys having a kid? I'm like, well, what a coincidence. We are. <laughs> and the woman looked at me, and I'll never forget it. She said, it sounds like your friend, because she was so sweet. She said, it sounds like your friend is dealing with some unhealed trauma. I went home after work. I talked to my wife. I was like, there's no way this can be me. I don't even feel like I should be able to be a pastor. So I'll tell you what I did. I found myself in my bedroom. And I was kneeling at my bed. And I started calling on Jesus. And we think Youth Congress is where the mightiest moves happen. You know, we thank youth convention and all that stuff. I found it in my prayer closet. <clears throat> and as I began to pray, and I began to struggle with what was in my heart, I felt this sweet presence of God. I didn't care who could hear me. I didn't care what people thought about me. I was just crying out to God with everything I remember, with everything I felt, the worthless feeling that swept over me. And I just remember crying in the presence of the Lord until I began to speak in tongues. And in that moment, God healed things I had forgotten about. That's why I can stand up here today. And I can tell you that if you're not careful, the wounds you experience in your life will change your perspective forever. 
unless we let God heal them. So this is what I'd have for us to do. Before we come into this altar, I want us just to lift our hands together. I want you to just begin to talk to the Lord right now. God, I don't know who this was for, but I know it was for somebody. God, I, I, I pray that the deepest, darkest recesses of our hearts will have the light of God shed abroad in them right now. God, I pray that your spirit would come into this house and like a mighty rushing wind begin to move upon us, God. Lord, I pray for every person that's experienced hurt or pain or anguish, God, that's got a wound. I pray that your spirit would begin to do the work even now. God, whether it be trauma or, or abuse or whatever the situation may be, whether it was somebody in the church talking about them, I don't care. God, whatever the hurt is, I pray that your spirit would begin to heal it. They're getting ready to sing, and we're getting ready to lift up our voice. But I wonder... Living Hope family, I wonder if we could come to an altar and make it comfortable for everybody. And I want us just to begin to talk to the Lord. Maybe there's something in your heart that you've even, maybe you forgot it was there, but God wants to heal it. Maybe there's something going on that maybe you haven't quite forgiven that person yet, but maybe if you let it go today, God's going to help you realize those things. Maybe it's the death of a loved one that you're still mourning over. But let me tell you, God wants to heal you perfectly, completely, and divinely today. Come on, that's it. When you get down into this altar, I want us just to lift our hands right now. And I want us to begin to pray. Come on, that's it. Let the Holy Ghost sweep over you. Let the Holy Ghost sweep over you right now. Speak victory over every life, over every family. I speak victory over every situation, over every nation. I speak victory. Come on, there's victory here right now. Come on, there's victory here. Every enemy is conquered. Every stronghold is brought down. I speak victory. Come on, speak victory.
want to say this real quick. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And we use that scripture a lot, but sometimes we use it out of context. Because we'll pray that when we're praying for healing in the physical sense and miracles, signs and wonders. But what the scripture was talking about there is the Bible says that if we confess our faults to one to another, then it says the effectual, effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It was talking about the restoration of the body. So this is what I would like for us to do. I'm going to hand it back over to your pastor. But before we do, if you feel comfortable, I want us to find someone to pray with because I have found that the most beautiful prayers are when we pray for one another. Can we do that just for a second? Find somebody to pray with just for a minute. It could be a stranger. It could be a friend. But I want you to pray specifically that God will begin to heal wounds. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous availeth much. Lift up your voices praying for healing. Heal their heart. Heal their mind. Heal them of the wounds they've experienced, God. Perfectly, completely, divinely.
in the house. He doesn't just heal blind eyes. He doesn't just unstop deaf ears. The fact is you can make it into heaven with a blind eye. You can make it into heaven with a deaf ear. You can make it into heaven with physical limitations. But bitterness, a wounded spirit, the Bible says that that root of bitterness defiles Take something that used to be good. Take something that used to be pure. It turns it into something that's vile. Hallelujah. The healer is in the house. I believe we can see miracles of blind eyes being opened, but I believe a greater miracle today is when a wounded heart is healed and that balm of Gilead, that salve, that ointment is applied to the heart. That one that is hurting in a place that doctors can't reach, that one that is hurting in places that physicians can't, they can't mend it, they can't sow it, but it's hurting in a place that the Holy Ghost can begin to make its way into the depth of the soul and the spirit and begin to put broken pieces back together again. Hallelujah, Jesus. There's a saying that says that hurt, hurt people, hurt people. As a child, I was, I don't know, probably this isn't a repressed memory. It's just a weird memory. We were about six years old. We were playing in the yard in uh, Sedona, Arizona. And I remember out in front of the, the place where we lived, the trailer court, there was a car that was speeding by and, and it hit a cat. And I'll, I'll not get too graphic for all of you cat lovers, but the cat was injured in the road. And I remember the car pulled over and this little lady got out and told me and my sister to, to get the cat off the road. I didn't know any better, so we go over to the cat. The cat was still alive, still fighting and struggling, I'm sure just trying to survive. And we were making our way to that cat to help. And I remember hearing my mom scream, stay away from that cat. Don't go near that cat because she realized if we would have grabbed the hold of that cat, it probably would have clawed the, the life out of us. And, and so many of us right now are hurting and people that are genuinely trying to help us. People that God has put in our lives to try to help us. That we, we lash out at them, not recognizing it was somebody in our past that hurt us. It was authority in the past that let us down. It was somebody from our past that wounded us. But now God is sending 
people that have our best interest in mind, that they want to help us. And we're lashing out at the very people that God has sent to try to bring healing. I want us to bow our heads together all across this room. The problem with looking out that window when we've when people have hurt us and people have let us down, that window gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And the people that we allow into our lives, the people that we allow ourselves to trust, it gets smaller and smaller. And anybody that exhibits any kind of behavior that reminds us of that person that wounded us, because now David is the king, and he remind, maybe, maybe it's that, 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 that king that let me down. Now David's the king, and it's that authority. There's that connection there that I can't trust him, and now the window gets smaller. Don't you know that's a terrible way to live? To live in a room that has no window? To live in a life that has no outside source of light, no hope shining in? Today, God wants to expand the window. Amen. God wants to expand that window by bringing healing into our world. I wonder, can we reach out to God right now? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, God, uh, Lord, that the only way that I can get over bitterness is I've got to forgive Amen. The greatest act of Calvary was when you said, Father, forgive them. Lord, you gave us an example. How can we get over the hurt and the wound? Amen. That wound may never heal. I may always have a hole in my hand. I may always have a nail scar, but I'm not going to be held captive by those that put me here. I'm going to say, Father, forgive them. Amen. Come on, somebody in this building today. God is trying to open up your future. God is trying to expand your future, your horizons, but it doesn't it begin by them getting what they deserve. It begins by you forgiving them. Come on, you become, you, you are free when you set those that did you wrong free. When you say, Father, forgive them. Come on, we need to let God do what he's trying to do right now. God's trying to open up the window for somebody. God is trying to expand your horizons. God has a beautiful future for you, but you've got to allow him to heal and to forgive. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I wonder, can you reach over and place your hand on the shoulder of your neighbor? The healer is in the house right now. The healer is in the house right now. Come up, some of you, your window is getting so small. The window is getting so small. The people that you allow yourself to trust is getting so narrow. You're isolating yourself as the window gets smaller and smaller. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, Michael, what's going out in the street? What's going on out in the street is what you need right now. That praise that you despise is the very thing that you need right now. Those people that you're pushing away are the very people that you need right now. Come on, those people that you're holding at arm's distance because maybe that authority reminds you of somebody from your past. Amen. Those people that you're pushing away are the very people that you need to let in. The Holy Ghost is doing a deep work right now. The Holy Ghost is doing a deep work. We're just going to take a few more minutes. I want you to tap into what the Holy Ghost is trying to do. And I want you to pray for that person right now that the Holy Ghost would lead you to. Come on, God's about to set some captives free in this house. God's about to liberate some people that have been bound in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you pray that prayer with me right now? God, heal the deep hurts. Would you pray that prayer with me right now? God, heal the deep hurts. God, expand the window. Open up the windows of heaven. Open up the windows, God. Restore our ability to trust others, Lord. In the name of Jesus, God, give us the ability, Lord, to forgive those that have wounded us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I just, I want to do something right now, and we're not going to keep you here a lot longer. But I wonder if some of you that, this wasn't just a sermon, this wasn't just a message, this was a lifeline. This was the voice of God speaking because that window is getting so small. You need God to heal. Come on, I want to ask you right, not to put you on the spot. I'm not trying to put you on out there so everybody knows you've been hurt. I'm asking those of you that this this is a a lifeline. I want you to step down here. I want you to step as close to the front as you can. Amen. I want you to step right in here to the middle. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.